Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Hey, just one word on that women's foray thing. It has uh, gained a cost this year. We always provided that uh, free for the women. That was something that I always liked to was super stoked about, but because we are going much bigger this year, there is a, a cost to it, and they were kind of uh, reluctantly pulling teeth with me to to be able to push that through, and there is a cost there now, but I want to say this. If for some reason that's a problem for you, we have scholarships available. We don't want anybody falling through the cracks. So if there's any woman that wants to go and you go, I just can't swing it, Go see the ladies at the table. We'll take care of you, no problem. We don't want anybody to miss out, all right? Let's turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, and we'll pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we recognize you as the creator of all things who gave us breath, and we stop right now, and we just stand in awe of you. Lord, you are so great so big, so powerful. We often allow the craziness of our world to, to kind of take over sometimes and, and we get worried about so many things and we forget that you're on the throne. Lord, we want to put you back on the throne of our lives right now, take ourselves off and make you number one in our lives. So we come this morning As we open your word, we remind ourselves that it is living and active and has the ability to transform our lives. Lord, may I decrease and you increase. May my words be your words. May you speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a little bit of a break from our series on life in times of Jesus. Do a little different message this morning. And it's called Thanksgiving Every Day. And a little different message, more of a kind of a devotional style than we usually do with with a little more heavy teaching, but it'll be good. Now, I need to tell you how we got to this title of Thanksgiving Every Day. Obviously, it's inspired by what's coming up this Thursday when we as a nation celebrate Thanksgiving. And what I originally wanted to do when I set out this week to study for this message was to connect the two. I wanted to take this event of that, that we have this holiday of Thanksgiving and, and we know the pilgrims and the Puritans on the Mayflower coming over for religious freedom. Well, I want to take that and I wanted to connect it and their faith to our faith some way because I went to public school, right? So I know the story, right? There were these Puritans that came over right on the Mayflower. They were seeking this uh, religious freedom and they met and made friends with these Indians, Right? And they had a big turkey dinner and celebrate and, and thank God and lived happily ever after, right? And, and so you guys all know the story. We all went to public school. So that's what I want to do. I want to take that story and connect it until I started studying Thanksgiving. So this week I started studying and I'm like, well, what's the real deal here like with Thanksgiving? And I was a little bit shocked and, and quite disappointed that I found out that, that the origins of the holiday that we celebrate as Thanksgiving are incredibly disputed, right? 
they're, they're incredibly controversial. In fact, the historians that have like studied this stuff and have the documents on it, almost none of them agree on any of the details of it. So it's just like, I was like, I, I don't know. And then, then as you look at it, it looks like many of the Native Americans that were there at the time were taken away in slavery. And actually the date of Thanksgiving is just an arbitrary date that presidents, you know, that, that American presidents set up. And it's been changed multiple times. In fact, one year they had two Thanksgivings in one year because the president changed the dates. So I was like, oh, hopefully I didn't ruin your week. <laughs> but at the end of the, the whole study of this deal, I'm like, I, I don't really know what the truth is about this whole Thanksgiving thing. And I was a little bummed out because I wanted to connect it to the sermon. But then it dawned on me that it doesn't really matter, does it? Because the call to Thanksgiving, the, the decree that we have to express grateful hearts to the Lord, long, long, long outdates any pilgrims at, at Plymouth Rock, Right? I mean, Thanksgiving is an ancient call of Scripture for thousands of years before the Mayflower ever sailed. A disciple of Jesus who has been redeemed and set free by the blood of Jesus should never need a holiday as an occasion to give thanks to the Lord. In fact, the biblical call is never to a day of Thanksgiving, is it? It's to a life of thanksgiving. It's an everyday thing. For, for us, it's not to be just this once-a-year holiday. Man, we, we should have this attitude of gratitude every single day for who Jesus is and, and what He's done. And that's the call of Scripture. Listen to a couple of verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, In everything give thanks, for this is... God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Always, how often? Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, like, like what do you do? Whatever you do, doesn't matter. In word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks. So, so whatever you do, always and for everything, it's saying, we're to have these hearts that are expressing thanks to God continually. And one of those ancient calls of Scripture for us to do this comes to us from Psalm 100. In fact, in your Bible, if you look above Psalm 100, it'll have a title above it, a psalm of thanksgiving. And this was a song that was sung by the Israelites when they came into the tabernacle or into the temple and they gave a thanksgiving offering or thanksgiving sacrifice in the temple. You see, within the Mosaic system, there were these sacrifices that were required of Israel at certain times of year, right? Yom Kippur and Passover and other times of year. They had to bring these sacrifices into the temple and sacrifice them to the Lord there. But, but this was different. This was a thanksgiving offering, a thanksgiving sacrifice where they just said, Lord, we just love you. 
We don't need to be commanded right now to, to give thanks to you. We look at what you've done in our lives, who you are and what you've done, and, and we just want to offer thanksgiving to you. And so when they would come and do that, they would sing this psalm as they were offering up their thanksgiving sacrifice to the Lord. So let's just read through it. It says in verse 1, Shout to the Lord, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It's He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So what do we do about it? We enter His gates with thanksgiving. It's courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. And His loving kindness is everlasting. And His faithfulness to all generations. Beautiful psalm. Yeah? And as we read through so many of the other psalms and even other scriptures, as we just read those ones from the New Testament, there are over and over throughout scripture this mandate, this command, this call for us to have thankful hearts to the Lord. But then that got me thinking that we have to be commanded, right? And we even mentioned this last week. There there are certain things that God has had to mandate in Scripture that kind of reveals something about the human heart, does it not? I mean, there's certain things that we would hope that God would not have to tell us to do, that we should just kind of get it. When, when we know God, when we know who He is, when He's revealed Himself to us, we're filled with His Holy Spirit. We've experienced Him, and we know the redemption that we have. We would hope that we would just kind of get some things, wouldn't we? We talked about this last week when we were talking about lo- loving one another, remember? We, we were saying we would kind of wish or kind of like to think th- that God wouldn't have to command us to love one another. But then, when we look at the reality of the relationships within the church, and we see how lame and selfish and sinful we are, we see that God did have to command us. The the reality of what we do shows that there was a need for the command. There's certain things that God has had to tell us, and it shows something about us, doesn't it? Love one another. Why? Because we often don't do that. The same thing is true with this biblical decree for thankfulness. Over and over throughout the whole of the Bible, especially as we look at the Psalms, we're called and commanded to be thankful to the Lord. But wouldn't you like to think that those of us who know the Lord, who He is and what He's done, that that would be enough to to stir in us these hearts of overflowing gratitude? I mean, every day, all day? It should, it seems to me, be enough. But in reality, we and myself especially, so often take the Lord for granted, don't we? His blessing, right? His sacrifice. Our future. 
forever with him in glory. We take these things for granted so often. I mean, let, let, let me ask you, be honest. In light of all that, that Christ has done for you, how often do we forget to thank God? Way, way too often, right? Way, way too often. There's a, there's a tendency within human humanity, within the human heart, to kind of grow complacent and apathetic on so many of these things. In fact, that's why God gave us communion, right? That we're to do this on a regular basis to remind us to be thankful. We have to watch out for this. I can see it in myself. There are times where I go so long and then I go, man, how long has it been since I thank the Lord for all the amazing things that he has done and is doing in my life? So often we do this. We start to take God for granted. In Luke chapter 17, there's this story of 10 lepers that came to Jesus for a healing. And I think it's a pretty good and graphic example of what we often do with Jesus. You can keep your Bible turned to Psalm 100. We will be there again. But if you want to, you can look at Luke 17 or it'll be up here on the screen. But let's just read through it and see what happened. While he, speaking of Jesus in verse 11, while he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee and he entered a village and 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face, at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? So, So in this story, ten lepers get healed, but only one worshipped. Those are kind of sad statistics for sure, yeah? I mean, and then in verse 17, Jesus recognizes this lack of gratitude and he brings it up. Certainly he's happy with the one that came back, but his question is, but the nine? Where are the nine? Jesus makes note of this. He's in essence asking, where's the worship? Did only one come back? To worship God, we have to remind ourselves what a horrible disease leprosy is. I mean, without going into every graphic detail of what happens to a leper, we've done that before as we've studied leprosy in other areas of the Bible. But in essence, it's just rotting to death slowly and painfully. It's got to be, I don't know, in my mind, maybe the worst possible thing that could happen to you because you just, in essence, die so slowly, rotting to death. 
And so what this means then is that nine took Jesus and what he did for them, which was a huge thing that he did for them, and they took him for granted. Made me kind of think of myself a bit, though. And I can see a little bit of myself in those nine at times. When we fail to worship church, when we fail to thank God for what he's done for us, it's taking him and what he's done for granted. In fact, the Psalms, that's what it tells us exactly to do because of who he is and what he's done to worship him. Look at Psalm 92. Come up here on your screen. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you've done. Therefore, what? I will sing for joy at the works of your hand. How great are your works, O Lord. When I look at what God has done in my life, it should well up in me to worship and to to pour out in thanks to him. I think there's certainly some parallels that we can draw from this story for our ourselves. Because if we think about it, what these lepers were in this story physically is exactly what the Bible teaches that we are spiritually without Christ. What what they were physically or what we are spiritually before we have Christ. We were hopeless without Christ, were we not? Helpless without Christ. There's nothing we could do about our condition. We were rotting away in our sin, wretched and defiled with no way to help ourselves. We were headed for a life of death and decay. That's how vile sin was. In fact, Isaiah says it this way as he draws a parallel between our condition and leprosy. He says, for all of us have become like one who is unclean. And and a leper in that day under Mosaic law, if anybody got near him, he had to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that they would know this guy has leprosy. I won't get too near and I won't catch it. And, And Isaiah makes the parallel here. He says, for all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. The best that we could do. To to the point that Paul, the great apostle Paul, when he looked at the sin in his life, this is what he came up with. Oh, wretched man that I am. Looking at himself, said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? But then the gospel comes in in the very next verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the gospel. That in that horrible, wretched condition, we cried out to Jesus like the ten lepers did. And he saved us and he cleansed us. And that's what the Bible teaches. 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sin and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The very thing that he did for these lepers. We, church, guys, we got to see ourselves rightly. We were more wretched than we can ever imagine, yet we are more loved than we can ever fathom. We were utterly filthy in our sin, yet because we are now covered by the blood of Christ, we will stand before God holy and blameless in the eyes of God. 
Not because of anything any one of us ever did that was so great, but because of Jesus. It says in Colossians 1.20, And through Him, speaking of Christ, through Christ, God reconciled all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated, and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, notice, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. How many of you guys this morning feel holy, blameless, and beyond reproach? We don't feel that way because we're not that way, are we? But positionally, before God we are, because we're covered by the blood of Christ that covers and takes away every single sin that you've ever done and will ever do. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, if you've been born again and the Holy Spirit and dwells you now, when you stand before God, He'll never see a single sin of yours. He will see His Son. Listen to what it says in Psalm 103. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Because if he dealt with us according to our sins, what are we? We deserve hell at that moment. But it says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. You see, what these lepers were physically in this story is exactly what we were spiritually. But like these ten lepers, we've been completely cleansed by Jesus. But here's the question. In light of the topic, are we more like the one that expressed a heart of gratitude? Are we more like the nine that took Jesus for granted? I can often see myself being a part of that nine. But but the answer for that, listen... If you can look at your heart and you see a bit of those nine lepers in yourself and you feel that you've taken God for granted and what he's done, if there's a part of you that that can look and you know that there's a lack of thanksgiving in proportion to what Christ has done for you, if you can see that your passion for the Lord has cooled down at some point, that happens, right? Sometimes you walk with the Lord for a long time and then you take it for granted what he's done for you and you've cooled down or if you know if you know that your times of worship when you gather here are not what they're supposed to be here's the answer you need to preach the gospel to yourself the gospel is not only good for those that that have not come to jesus yet the gospel is meant to keep our hearts and our minds right preach the gospel to yourself remind yourself of what jesus did for you Remind yourself of who he is and what he's done. And then we need to repent and we need to come back and renew these hearts of worship and gratitude. Listen, this morning, if you're here and you're feeling that, 
that there's been a lack of gratitude, allow God's Spirit right now to start to well up in you a heart of gratitude. Begin to remind yourself of what you were apart from Christ. Begin to remind yourself what you were without Him and then now what you are in Him. You preach the gospel to yourself. And and church, I know that that Thanksgiving is, is supposed to be a part of our entire life. But I think a good indicator of where we are in our thanksgiving is our times of worship here. I think it's a good indicator, right? In the same way that we never send a missionary out on the mission field if they're not already doing it here, if they're not already serving here, we would never send them out. It's kind of the same thing for the church. If we don't worship together here, why would we ever assume that we would worship together out there? So I think there's a good indicator in in our times of worship of where our thankfulness is. And the reason I say that is because the Bible calls us to great expressions of worship. Listen to what it says in Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. That's expressive, guys. Now, you might go like, I'm not an expressive person. You're not a holy person either, but the Bible called you to be holy, and it's called us to be expressive. In fact, if we boil down what worship is, it's just an expression of our gratitude, is it not? Coming out. It's an expression of the heart that is thankful. It's having a thankful heart for God, for who He is and what He's done that can't be contained. And it begins to come out in the form of thanks and worship. And because worship is an expression of what's going on in my heart, when my heart's full of of gratitude, when my heart's full of thanksgiving, it's okay for my worship to be expressive. That's exactly what the Word of God calls us to. Read through the Psalms. See how many times it tells us to sing, shout, kneel, raise our hands. And God forbid it says dance before the Lord. That's what's happening in heaven and will for all eternity. Read the book of Revelation. Look at what it talks about. In worship. And there is some sense then that we're kind of with the nine, is there not? When we sit with our hands in our pockets and apathy and indifference in our hearts during times of worship. Look again at Psalm 100. Look at what it says. Those first two verses. What does it say? Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Guys, this is not some form of subdued worship. This is expressive and vibrant and alive. Why do we do that? The rest of the psalm tells us. Know that the Lord God Himself is God because He's God, right? He's the one that made us. We didn't make ourselves. We're His sheep. The people of his pasture. Therefore, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Why? 
for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Maybe if there's this lack of thanksgiving and this lack of expression in your times of worship, maybe it's because you've forgotten the goodness of the Lord and his loving kindness and his faithfulness to all generations. See, an ungrateful heart is one that fails to recognize that every source of blessing is from God. Every good thing comes from Him. When I was preparing to do this message, um, I did something that I should do far, far more often, and that is I took a good block of time and I just sat down with no distractions and I thought about all the things that I have to be thankful for. From big to small, you usually start with the big things, don't we? But from big to small, the longer I sat there, the list got longer and longer. There's an old hymn that was written back in 1897 called Count Your Blessings. And it says this, it says, When upon life's bellows are tempest-tossed, when you're discouraged and think all is lost, count count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And then the refrain goes, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. That's what I did. I just sat down and just counted. You you take some time. I, I encourage everybody in this room to do this. You want to talk about Thanksgiving this week? Forget the turkey, forget the football, sit down with Jesus You guys are laughing because you know that ain't going to happen, right? You might forget the turkey, but you ain't going to forget the football. Listen, sit down some point this week where nobody's going to bother you and start to count those blessings one by one. What I realize is I have so much to be thankful for. Just knowing God, my family, I have the best wife in the entire world. I have great kids got a roof over my head. I got food in the fridge, right? And you just go on and on. We usually start with the big ones and you go on. And what I did is even as I got down to those last little kind of things that you usually wouldn't even think of as blessings, what I realized is all of it, all of it is a gift from God. All of it. Just knowing God is a gift from God because he had to reveal himself to us. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I realize my wife is a gift from God. I can totally see how God put us together. The Bible tells us that our kids are a gift from God. The Bible has to tell us because there's those moments where you go like, I don't know. But you know what? They are a gift from God. Psalm 127.3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. My home that, I, that I'm sitting in when I'm thinking about this was a gift from God. You guys know, because I've told that story here of how our house, how we got our house. That was an absolute and utter gift of God. All the way down the list. And at some point on that list, you're going to realize that every day, every moment, and every breath that you take is a gift from God. In fact, that's what James said. Every good thing given. Every perfect gift is from above, coming down 
from the Father of light. And let me say this as we finish right now. The greatest of those gifts, the greatest, is Jesus himself. He is a gift. You didn't earn the right to come into his presence. He didn't save you because you're so wonderful. He was a gift, and that's what Scripture teaches. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave a gift of his son. Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 14 says this. Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God, who it is who says to you, give me this drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus stand there. If you only knew the gift that was standing before you, girl. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. There's no greater gift in this world than we've been given through the cross of Jesus Christ. And for us, church, for us the redeemed, that means that thanksgiving should be every day. Because every day we get to live without fear of this world or the next. And every day we're one day closer to glory in the presence of God. The redeemed, should never need a holiday to thank Jesus. It should be every day. We'll read this verse and we'll worship. Look at what it says. Psalm 103, verse 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that He's done. We're to love Him with all our heart. I've done a lot of things with all my heart and all of my might. I've surfed with all my might. I've done a lot of things with all of my might. But this tells us that let all that I am, think about that for a second, all that I am, every part of me, praise the Lord. And may I never forget the good things that He has done for me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we come before You on a week when our country will celebrate something called Thanksgiving. But we wake up to the fact right now, Lord, that every day should be Thanksgiving for us. We know you. We've been set free from our sin. Lord Jesus, give us such a consciousness of what you've done for us. And may it stir in our hearts and well up to worship and thanksgiving in your name. Lord, as we begin to worship you now, we pray that there would be no other distraction in our life. That our mind and our heart would be set wholly on you. Lord, remind us, each and every one of us, what we were and what we were headed for before we knew you. Lord, give us a vision 
an understanding of what we are now in you and what the future holds for us. Lord, I pray that you fill this room with a spirit of worship right now and that we would worship you, as your word says, with all that we are for your glory, for your majesty. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.